0: So this uh, specific topic this morning, uh, well, morning for me, whatever time for you, um, has been something that I have been thinking about and also talking with other people about for some time now, some time being years time, realistically, but uh, more recently in the past just, uh, I want to say like, you know, three to five months, um, it's been something that's come up a few times in, in discussions um, and it's it's pretty good. So uh, I have a lot of different perspectives. There's a lot of disclaimers that come with it. So let me start off with the topic, and then I'll throw in all of the disclaimers that matter after that. Um, today I want to talk about church kids, and I guess if if I was going to be a little bit more specific, it's it's kind of on the church kid culture, and then on the uh, like the different the. The different perspectives of uh, how people view church kids or how church kids themselves may uh, view themselves or view others around them. So uh, here's my all my disclaimers. First off, when I refer to church kid, I am talking about someone that was raised in church and very specifically in this situation, a Christian church, um, a Christian household. Where the parents have made a decision that they're going to do their best to live according to uh, you know biblical values, having like biblical core values in the home, and that the the kid in this situation is raised with that environment. And then um, another thing is it probably better to define an age group. I'm going to choose an age group. To tell you what what I think is considered a church kid. So, this is all my opinion. But, my opinion is any kid that is uh, 10 years or younger, maybe even 11 years or younger, um, that came into the church, whether they were born into it, so from between the ages of 0 and 11, um, if they came to a church and then they continued through their life going into church stepping into adulthood i'm going to use the age of about 18 or 19 being that's when you become a young adult you should no longer be considered a kid even though the reality is for the rest of your life someone will see you as a kid i'm in my 30s and all the people in the 50s said you're a kid so um it's 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 gonna continue on but you know for the sake of argument um i'm gonna say between the ages of zero and eleven going to a church a steady at least a steady one or at least living in a home that is decided to live as christian or biblical core values between the ages of zero to 11 up until they're an adult that's what i consider a church kid so that means anybody that's 12 and over i wouldn't say that they are a church kid i would say that between 12 and about 19 or so Um, Maybe their family started attending a church or they stepped into one on their own or their family just decided we're going to start following the Bible or whatever. They have a home now that does this and, um, you know, they're surrounded by it. I would consider those people like at some point in their life, they started to follow this culture or this I'm not going to say religion because, you know, you guys... If you've been listening to the episodes, you know how I feel about the word religion. Um, but if they, they decided to choose this lifestyle of we're going to start being Christians. And if that happened like 12 and between 12 and 19, even though they are considered kids, not yet adults. Um, I do think it is much different than if it was between 0 and 11. And here's my, here's my argument for that. Because I have seen... Uh, more specifically, in in, in my uh, the fellowship I attend, I have seen uh, seen with a D at the end. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I have seen um, kids create incredibly strong bonds between the ages of zero and eleven, where they cannot talk to each other for years um, after you know after creating this bond when they're children. When they're like elementary school age and younger, and uh, they create this bond with one another, and then they they separate. This happens a lot in our churches, especially because we believe in sending people out. We believe in uh, starting new churches, and those churches are started typically by young couples or, or young families. Not always young families, but just... That's kind of how it's been seen where you see these young families go to start a new church. So that means that if, they, if the children created friends in that church that they were attending and then one family leaves to another one to start a different church or maybe they move for work or whatever it is, there's like this bond that is built between these kids that lasts a long time. And it's a very strong bond, like very strong. I mean, it's very interesting. It, it really is intriguing to see where they because you know I've had friends from like elementary school right that middle school we go to somewhere different in high school we might go somewhere different and then someone gets transferred and then boom there we are oh hey I knew you in elementary but there's no bond it's like oh yeah we were like in the same class or we were like inseparable for a couple of years or whatever and then you know we we went our separate ways and came back and it, maybe it's you know it's all about personality by that point. but in the church it's very interesting. It's like these kids really latch to each other. I think it's part of the church kid culture, it's my opinion. So the other thing, the other disclaimer is that I am referring primarily to my experiences and those of people within uh, my circle of friends and people I've talked with um, that both church kid and not church kid alike, Within um, not just my church, but the fellowship as a whole, and our fellowship is like three thousand churches across the world, and you know it's it's big. And um, so I'm not just referring to just one individual church here. So you can't use my stories and be like he's talking about everybody at that church. That's horrible. No, not necessarily. Um, and and then here's the final disclaimer: I am not trying to speak for every Christian household and church that labels themselves as such. Um, I think I've already made that argument somewhere before, but I don't feel it's fair that I should try to defend or speak for an entire unit of people. Yes, I understand the Bible says that we are brothers and sisters in Christ and that we share each other, you know, we're as in like uh, we're the, the legs and the arms. And, you know, we're, we, we, we represent the body of Christ as Christians. Um, I'm, I, man, I'm, gonna, I'm trying not to get all deep into it, but... What I'm trying to say is a lot of modern churches that call themselves Christian are absolutely not Christian. And then you have religions, straight-up religions, denominations, labels, and titles, which is not biblical, is not Christian. But they have these these names. They've given themselves these these denominations um, that also call themselves Christian. And I'm not talking about them either. And so I'm, I am referring to someone who... From my experience and from what I've seen, you know, people that are trying to live within a household with biblical core values—that's um, what I'm referring to. Uh, that means that if you know, different religion—I don't know—I don't. It's probably way different. It's probably way different. The culture is way different. I—I I couldn't speak for it. Um, so anyway, throwing all of that in. So if I've offended anybody, and then, okay, let me throw this last one in. Um, Catholics are not Christians. Just going to throw it out there. And I'm saying that from experience. I was born into a, a family, uh, especially here in South Texas, that traditional Hispanic cultural ca- Catholicism, it's, it's a little different than your, your Orthodox Roman Catholic, you know, where this South Texas uh, Hispanic traditional culture is strong in the ca- Catholicism's. It's like Tex-Mex. You guys heard of Tex-Mex? It's like Spanglish when you kind of mix Spanish and English. That's kind of what um, Hispanic culture in South Texas has done with Catholicism. They've kind of like, like merged the cultures and created some kind of strange new hybrid version of Hispanic Catholicism. And I'm saying this all out of experience. I was born into a family that said, we're born Catholic, we die Catholic. And by the grace of God, I have broken that attitude and mentality. And so, uh, it's not true at all. I'm not going to die Catholic. Um, And then, on top of that, the the reason I bring that up, though, the reason it's so, like, prominent... And maybe I'm offending people here, and that's totally okay, because there's some gospel truth going on in what I'm going to say today. And um, if you read the Bible, you would know that, you know, gospel truth sometimes is meant to separate. It's not always meant to... Unify and bring love to one another, as the un- unfortunately popular message is today. Um, anyway, what I'm getting at is is I don't I don't feel that a Catholic household would be the same as a Christian household. I think they're completely different, especially from when I was growing up. I'm um, not just my own household, but anybody that I knew that went to a Catholic church. It was essentially you went to church for Lent, Easter. Uh, Maybe for Christmas, you know, you had some representation of Jesus in your home, but it definitely was not dominant, you know, and uh, most people just lived however the heck they wanted so they can go to confession and then, um, you know, confession and going to church every now and then doing the sign of the cross where it was felt necessary made you okay, which uh, is horribly uh, inaccurate. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's, it is. It is. It's. It's biblically inaccurate. Like it's not. That's not what we were called to be. Anyway, uh, I know maybe I've offended a few people there, and that's quite okay. So um, anyway, I don't. I don't. I'm not going to incorporate my experience growing up as part as a church kid experience because I was not a church kid. I got saved into a Christian church at 16 years old. So by my earlier definition of what a church kid is, I would not be one. Um, but I was surrounded by them. When I came into the church, um, there was a there was a pretty good gap of, of ages of people that came in around that time. People I came in in 2005 and um, I, I did not know what a Christian church was or what they did or how they functioned or how they operated. And I didn't know the difference of, you know, um, biblical core values and religious core values you know i didn't know that there was a difference i thought religion was bible and religion was church i just incorporated all that together in my mind because that's kind of how i was raised and i think that's how most people are raised and are are taught and learn how they learn what religion is it's just it's oh you go to church you're religious you know that's that was like a common uh misconception i would say because when I started to go to church, and I've said this before somewhere else, uh, Christianity is a lifestyle. In fact, did you know that Christians, the, the the title we call ourselves Christians, which is meant to be, you know, by modern definition, to be Christ-like or to follow Jesus, that is Jesus Christ. Um, can you see where the word came from? Christians. So now the thing is, that etymology did not, Did not start in the Bible. In other words, you will not find that the Church of Acts people called themselves Christians. You know, um, they they were building a church for the first time uh, outside of uh, Hebrew law and, and Jewish religion. You know, it was it was completely new and different and unique, and it was. You can say that those were the, the first Christians, but they did not give themselves that title. At least we don't read about it. And if I'm wrong, I mean, the Bible's been there for a long time. So you're more than welcome to read it yourself and, and catch it and be like, hey, that guy that was talking the podcast the other day, I think he was wrong. Here it is. I found it in the Bible. Good for you. I'll give you a dollar if I meet you someday. So um, regardless, uh, you you won't find it. <laughs> I'm only saying that because I've looked for it. And you, you won't find christians in the bible so that came later later in time you started to get that so church kids what happened was is there is a new culture where people well kids babies were being born into this culture into this lifestyle of christianity of uh what to, you know i, I don't want to call it a religion because it, it's not it really is a lifestyle it's 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 a uh, a conscious decision to live this way. But that conscious decision was made by the parents or the head of the household. And those people are the ones who decided we're going to live this way. So church kids are being raised in a home where they're being taught this is how we... This is our lifestyle. This is how we function. This is how our home operates. And we get these core values in the home from the Bible and we get that... From like at least an understanding or a stronger bit of knowledge or wisdom from the church and uh, If you want back up on how I've defined that just read the New Testament In fact read the book of Acts, you know read read the I'm, I'm focusing on the New Testament because the New Testament Primarily after the four Gospels is speaking to the church many of those letters which are, are books in the Bible are written to pastors, young pastors, and to full churches by the, uh, the apostles or the primary disciples, if you will, the 12 that followed Jesus and spoke to the churches. So I, th- this is all important to understand church kid culture, okay? I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere with all of this because what happens is you'll get a conversion. You'll get somebody uh, like myself, I was 16, right? I came in the church. That was a conversion. I was converted into what we call Christianity, into this lifestyle. I was converted into this. I made a decision that I'm going to stop doing all the bad things in my life, which has been defined as sin, and I'm going to start to live for God. I'm going to start doing my best, at least, to live for Jesus. And... Um, I did something called repentance, and so at that point of repentance, that point of conversion, I made a conscious decision, and now I have to make that decision daily, regularly. The church kid, um, more often than not, between the ages of 0 and 11, they don't actually go through a, I'm not going to say it's not a sincere, genuine conversion, but I will say they may not have that moment of like, you need to change, you need to c- completely quit acting the way you're doing because most church kids are good kids. Most of them are, are raised in a good home with good parents, and they got they have a good environment and good surrounding and protection, and and they have they're they're over overloaded with uh, biblical knowledge and wisdom and truth and information at a very young age. And it's it's what you would I mean that sounds phenomenal, does it not? It's like man, these kids are like receiving all of it, but but. Conversion is very necessary, regardless if you're a church kid or not. Um, there has to be a point in your life where you make that conscious decision, I'm going to live for Jesus on my own. And this is huge for the church kid, because most of them are brought, are born into the church or brought into the church at a young age, where it's like, they're just following their parents, you know, and it's like, I'm just following and doing what I'm doing. And for the record, uh, let me just throw this in right here for free. I am not one of the bashers of church kids. This is um, this is actually a, a real thing, unfortunately, in Christian culture. I'm not just I'm not just referring to my fellowship here. I'm talking about in in Christian Christianity all across the board. You will nine times out of ten, if you look up a church kid sermon, it's most likely going to be bashing of the church kid. Which is identifying the truths that I just pointed out. Like, you know, they're brought into this, this this household, they got covering and they have knowledge and wisdom. They they point all the the good stuff out and then they say and they do and the church kid does nothing with it, you know, and then the bashing continues. It starts, it begins and continues throughout that sermon and throughout many others where the church kid is is a big target and usually an easy target for converted preachers. Um being someone like myself, who had a point of raw conversion, because if you've if you've listened to other episodes, you would know I had a pretty hardcore life. Uh, I'm not proud of it. I'm not saying that like all with a badge of honor. Uh, many things I've done in my past, I'm ashamed of, and I have prayed the prayer: God may people forget who that person was. You know, uh, when they see me, I'm a new person. I don't want them to. Uh, Put two and two together and be like hey you're the guy that used to do this no, no 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 that guy that guy's dead he doesn't exist anymore i am this guy now uh christian god-loving god-fearing uh robert you know that's who i am now anyway um so other people who have received this type of conversion where they've completely repented and and said i'm no longer gonna live this filth and they're gonna start living for god tend to if they are not careful they, they tend to bash the church kid because they didn't live that lifestyle. Now, I'm not saying they do it out of jealousy, but I do feel like they do it in a sense of like, if I lived your lifestyle, I would not be living the way you are at your age. That's usually how the bashing starts. It's like if 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 other people were, were blessed the way you were as a church kid, they would be doing better off. And and that's kind of the message. And it's, it's unfortunate. And I'm not trying to say it's always like that but you it is um, unfairly popular I, I feel that that seems to be more of the the way to go about it is bash the church kid because they don't know better and they they could do a lot better for themselves but they're not and so you know that's that's a thing and then um on top of that there's also um there is a pro to this, too, though, because if you've ever talked with a church kid in their teen teens, especially usually like preteen or teenage years, you can sense like the raw education of, of biblical truth and knowledge and wisdom when they speak, even if they're not trying to. It's just in them like they just naturally have biblical wisdom. You know, they just they just know to make better decisions. Now. Here's the thing though, church kids tend to have a lot of pressure on them because of this. There's this, there's this like relentless pressure that you should be living a perfect life. You are a super being. As a church kid, you know you're you're a superhuman, super being with super brain power, and you you have you're receiving information that some people don't receive until they're in their twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, or sixties. Even, you know, they can live an entire life before they receive what you received at the beginning of your life, and so there's this pressure like you should be something exceptionally well above everybody, you know. Um, and I think the most important takeaway, if you've ever talked with a church kid, is to understand that church kids are people. They're normal people. They're just like anybody else. And if you, if you really dumb it down to that type of uh, definition, and I've said this statement a lot, and it's probably one of my favorite uh, phrases, is that people are people, and the continuation of that statement is people are dumb. I love saying that because it's true and you all know it um, if, because believe it or not, you are a people as I am and if you're honest with yourself, you would know uh, we, we can do some pretty dumb things and make some pretty dumb decisions and, do, and we, we make mistakes. You know we're not perfect people even if we are given all of the tools and resources and information and data and we're just included in everything and I mean look at the quote-unquote experts of the world today that should be enough for you to understand that people can be given everything that they quote-unquote need to be successful or do well and they trash it that's what people do and so Church kids are people, and that's something to understand. If you're going to understand that bashing a church kid is 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 like bashing anybody else, it's it's not the same. You know, it's or I'm sorry, it's not um, it's not differentiated because oh, because you were raised a certain way, this bashing to you is going to mean differently. Now, I understand it though. I will say this: I do understand the bashing. I know where it comes from. It's like a form of discipline almost. It's like uh, when you get after a child and tell them hey don't do that because we care about you you see that like it, it flips on you have you ever been disciplined and then the person who's done the discipline turns around and says they love you and care about you now in today's generation with all the twisted like strange you know therapy uh, ridden kids like these kids like they, they have this mindset that's like if someone does that to you it's toxic and if someone because yeah there is the truth that if you're getting beat, Let me use that word here. If you're getting beat or assaulted by somebody and they turn around and say they love you, yeah, that's twisted. But if you're getting discipline, which is entirely different, entirely different. I'm not just talking about spanking. I'm, I'm even referring to maybe a verbal discipline, like a disciplinary action. Sometimes can be considered like a constructive criticism. And then they follow up with, hey, I'm trying to tell you these things because I care about you, I'm just trying to help you out. And then they view that as toxic. It's like, wait, wait, wait. You, gotta, you have got to put your identifiers on. And that comes with maturity and experience. Unfortunately, it's just the truth. That means that there's going to be things that happen in life that will cause you to either mature or gain experience or break you down and make it hard for you to understand the next few steps that come in life. It's unfortunate, but guess what? That is life. That's just part of life. I know people are trying to fix it and the way they're trying to fix it is identify things differently and look at a different perspective and a different angle. But the the thing is, life is always going to be hard. You just can't make life easy. The, The idea is, instead of trying to avoid the storm or instead of trying to ignore the storm... You gain the strength and the resources and the ability to go through the storm, okay? All right, I know, I know you're like, what does this have to do with church kids? Well, I'm saying that because in modern day age, there is this mentality of avoiding all of the hardships and going around all the the wrongdoings and hard things in life. That's not how you get strong, church kid alike as well. You can't just ignore it. It needs to be confronted. It needs to be taken on. It needs to be, I'll even say it needs to be embraced. And that's because that is what is going to give you that necessary maturity and experience and growth. It's through the tough times that you receive that. So, that kind of slightly came out of nowhere. I, I, I did want to make that point across at some point, but I uh, didn't realize I get so intense about it. Anyway, so, with church kids, um, I do feel that church kids have this pressure that they need to be perfect and that's hard. And then here's the other part of it. um, Sometimes that household of trying to live right and biblical core values, instead of it being uh, an invitation to the household, it's more like, uh, I got to be real careful with how I word this because this isn't the same for everybody, but it is out there. It's almost like it's forced upon you. Like, you better live this way or else. And um, now in the Bible, you will read a lot of scriptures that have, You better live this way or else. You know, maybe it's said with more tact and a little differently. But if you've ever read of the gnashing of teeth and, you know, a devil's hell. And you've, you've read all, the, all the, the consequence and repercussion for living a sinful life. Um, You would know that God gives us warning signs many, many times in the Bible. And and more than just, like, hell. It's more than just, like, this hardcore, like, you're going to hell. It's not always that. Sometimes he simply shows us what can happen if you, um, like, he uses people, in other words. He uses people's lives and experiences and, and their stories to explain what's going on. And so the church kid hears this their whole life. From... I mean, from age zero to 11 or Oh, so, well, no, no, I'm sorry. That's that's the... the I'm confusing myself. From age zero to, to throughout their life in that household, they will hear these stories over and over and over and over and over and over in the household, in sermons, in uh, children's church if they have it, if in the Sunday school, in any, in, in, you know, whatever put insert whatever you want there for church and they're gonna hear this a lot so uh, after a while if they're not embracing this to be like okay i need to learn from this at some point it's gonna be like okay i get it that's enough and it's like it becomes a nuisance it's annoying and then if it's pushed on them very heavily in the household and i'm talking to parents here because i'm a parent and and i've seen this happen Um, where it's like forcefully almost force fed to these kids, which for the record, I'm talking, I'm not just talking about the zero to 11 kids anymore. I'm talking like 16, 17, and they're being force fed this still. What happens is you get these teenagers that are already, they're already plotting and, and, and making decisions that say, I cannot wait to get out of here as soon as possible you know, whether they're going to decide to go drastic and, and do the dramatic runaway situation where they completely run away from everything, or they're going to do um, the, um, what's it called, the 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 time frame, like they're going to wait until adult age, typically 18 or 19, when they try to move out or do whatever it is and completely be on their own, and, and they're they maybe they're not running away like physically like straight up i'm leaving you but they are already figuratively and and mentally running away and then they like as soon as they get that opportunity boom they're gone and you see this a lot where church kids are like ready to dip as soon as possible and uh i was so like i said i was 16 so between the ages of 16 and 18 i guess 19 i'll say i was around a lot of these church kids um like I said, there was an age gap when I came in the church at 2005, which means that the other people that got saved around the same time as me were like in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, you know. Um, and then there was some that, that came with families that were much younger than me. So the ones that I grew close with right off the bat were the ones closer to my age, which happened to be church kids. And um, there was like at least three or four, maybe, no, there's like five, five or six in the church that were very close to my age between the ages of like 15 and 18, you know, and um, but again, they were in the church. Not all of them are raised in this church specifically. Some of them are but even though they were in this church specifically, they were still raised in a in a Christian home like their whole life, or at least as long as they could remember. And um, uh, so I was I was like the black sheep coming in, you know, I was, I was very different. Now I could be Um, I'm, I, I, of course, you know, I'm saying this from my perspective, which means that it's possible that there was other kids that came in around that time slot and either didn't stick around or, um, I don't know. We, we were not friends for some reason. (laughs) Like, I don't know how to put it. From my understanding, there's no one that's actually like my age that had come in the church when I had come in. That's, that's what I remember. Just going off of memory here. So if I've offended you, I'm, I apologize. But Um, like I said, if there's anyone who's my age today, it's because they they came in at a different time. Um, anyway, I say all that because when I hung out with these kids, I was, it stood out. It stood out a lot. Like my life was just astronomically different. You know, we're not talking about day and night. It was, it was different planets, you know, like I was, it was just so different, um, how I was raised and how I was taught and and everything and it versus how they were raised and what they were taught and everything. It was just so, so, so different. So I had a lot to learn and, you know, I didn't understand all the Bible jokes. I didn't understand all of the, if I'm, if I'm being honest, the corny jokes, it was very corny. You know, And I did view all of these kids as nerds. I'm being 1000% real with you, but there is a part of me that that wanted it like i i wanted to be a nerd you know i'm I'm just i'm being honest i'm like wait a minute i don't want to be left out man i want to i want this i i want this lifestyle i know i've offended every church kid right now there's like how dare you you know um call us nerds i i don't think i don't think that's true at all i don't think i've offended anybody because i i think they agree with me i think they completely understand where i'm getting at it's, it's, if, you know, they, there was this lifestyle. Now here's the downside Hear this hear me, (laughs) but, uh, the downside is that, uh, they looked at me and wanted that chip on, on their shoulder. You know, they, they also wanted to be like, I wasn't tough, you know. I'm not gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna be like I'm just, I was tough as nails and blah blah. No, I I wasn't. You know, I was I was already kind of nerdy in my own own way. You know, but they they I did I know that my life would be looked at from a church kid's perspective at 16, and saw how I handled myself. In other words, I I lived through tragedy, and tr- like I said earlier, tough times makes you strong, and so I was very. Very opinionated and decisive at a 16-year-old. Like I lived as if I was an adult, and I yearned to be an adult. And live and hanging out with these church kids made me realize, like maybe I should calm down, you know. And it took me a couple years to actually step a couple notches down and try to just be a kid and have enjoy my few t- years left in teenage years to- before becoming like a full-blown young adult. And it was hard, but I know that the way I looked at a church kid's life and saying, I want that, some kids looked at my life like, man, I wish I could be like that. Like, I could have the crazy story, and I can have, like, the, the background. It's like, it is not worth it. Whoa, that is, n- n- no, no, not at all. No, you don't want this. You you. No, you do not. You know, you you, you made me think something in you that says, you know, I want to have that or whatever. And, you know, in my 30s, it's obvious, right? It's way easier to be like, okay, yeah, of course, any church kid that's in the 30s would be like, oh, I don't want that. It's ridiculous. But at the teenage years, man, it's twisted. Some of these church kids are like, well, you know, maybe if I go out and just kind of build a testimony is what it's called, you know, build, get, gain some of that experience, you know, I'll be respected, no, absolutely not. That is ridiculous. You know, it's ridiculous. It is not worth it. There's no point in trying to play with such an intense fire that way. Uh, you have no control of it. No one does. So um, anyway, the the other perspective that I really saw from a church kid is that they they receive that pressure, and uh, they're always annoyed. Always annoyed whenever there's sermons that. Um, that <laughs> the best way I can put it is if there's a preacher who's up there that is preaching to sinners, and they're pouring their heart out, but they're, you know, I don't know how to put it, man. Maybe they're not. They don't have the etiquette, or they don't have a certain. Umph behind them the church kid will be the identifier and i maybe that's where that that uh, tension is built up where a preacher feels the need to bash a church kid because the church kid is so quick to criticize a preacher because they know they know church kids know they know the answers they know the bible very well and um i don't know this is just me speculating but that's 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 a perspective that i i I may be, not making up, but I can say that I've kind of seen where it's like they're so quick to like criticize one another. You know, uh, church kids are quick to criticize preachers and preachers are quick to criticize church kids. Very interesting. Now, let me conclude because um, I need to get to work soon. But the main the main thing that I feel the end of it all is that what I've seen is church kids are the way they are not just because of how they're raised in church but because of how they're raised at home and that is going to fall on the parents so i'm saying this as a parent of church kids my kids are being raised in the church they were born into the church and they are church kids and they will be church kids continuing you know throughout the their rest of the year they're going to have that label for the rest of their life and um The way I view it as a parent is how I saw some of my friends or other people, how they were treated by their parents, especially those teenage years, because that's when it all shifts. Now, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. So I can't speak for all those parents. You know, I can't say they did things wrong or whatever, but I can say. That I think at some point, and this isn't just a Christian value, this is a parent value, okay? What I'm about to say is something that parents across the board need to learn to understand, not just Christian parents. It's important for Christian parents, but I mean, every parent needs to understand this. That at some point, your little kid is not a little kid anymore. And at some point, disciplining them by yelling at them and just saying, Do what I said because I'm your parent and you're my kid and you do as I say is no longer going to work. You know, there has to be a situation where there's a sit-down and there's conversation. We need, as parents, to train our children, raise our children. And that is not going to come through the hour-long lectures. I know we we feel like we can just speak all of our experience and blah, blah, blah. See, I have fun doing this right here because I don't always see it as a lecture. I see it more of like a mind-provoking like uh, Events like not just for you. I don't know maybe I'm not provoking your mind at all but for me you know this is for me I get to kind of kind of prick and probe at probe at myself and and you know and whatever comes out is like oh okay if that's that's what I thought about that that's interesting so anyway um, but when it comes for parents to, to, to the kids we we lose patience that's what happens we lose patience and you have to understand. When you lose patience with your kids, what you really, what your kid is hearing is, I don't have time to give you the attention that one you you need, you want, and the more importantly, the attention you deserve as my kid. You deserve my attention. And guess what? When I'm impatient with you, what I'm really saying, I, I don't, I don't want to give you that attention. I know that's harsh. Well that's not how I feel at all. No, my kid would never feel that way. Listen. Your kids pay more attention to how you react to things than how you speak to them about things. And I know that because that's how I viewed people. Believe it or not, once upon a time, I was a kid. I was was a teenager. The same way you once were if you're a parent today. And we assume that we can just, you know, sit them down and talk to them till their ears fall off. You think they're not getting that already in the church? I mean, that's what a sermon is. You know, they're already receiving that. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't take the time to talk to them. We absolutely should. But it's not always going to be that disciplinary verbal action. That's like, you need to do this because I'm your parent. Or more so, listen, this is how we live in our household. And I don't care what you think. I don't care about your feelings. You're going to do it. Do what I said because you're my kid. That That's not going to work. You know, there has to be a, a point where you start to tell your children you need to understand why i'm disciplining you you need to understand why i'm i've made these decisions to live the way we live you need to start seeing the big picture and for a child to see that they're most likely more often than not going to see that through our example so when i see a church kid especially an annoyed one a stubborn one a selfish one an entitled church kid they're either a blessed (laughs) they're very blessed and they have great covering and great protection and they they're 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 hey their parents are taking care of them so you can't always be mad at them or or they're plotting they're plotting and they're already like yeah i'm over this i'm tired of this lifestyle i'm ready to jet as soon as i see an opportunity and um you know we don't, we don't have all the – we don't control everything the same way nobody has full control over everything. So my, my – uh, I guess my closing thoughts on all of this, the way I feel about it is I feel that parents play the most important role for a church kid while they are a kid. Once they become an adult, if they defect, if a kid defects and backslides or just completely leaves the church and does whatever they want, you can't always look at the parent and be like, "What did you do? You're a horrible parent." That's that's not always the right answer, okay? That's not what I'm trying to say when I'm trying to put the res- because parents have a responsibility. You know, we have a responsibility to raise our kids and my responsibility, the way I view my my specific relationship with my kids, my Responsibility and the way I view things is that I'm responsible for helping my child understand that when things go wrong in life, you need to know how to call on God and how to call on your daddy because I'm here for you, of course, as, as my, for my children. I want them to know me and your mother are here for you. We want to take care of you, want to help you, but I can't spoil you all the time. I can't. There has to be moments where you have got to learn and you have got to figure this out. And some of that is gonna be me trying to sit down and talk with you, but that doesn't always work. So, so a lot of that has to come from you watching me and and learning by example how I respond to situations and how how I take things on. Same thing for your, for your mother, you gotta look at your mom and, and how we respond and look at things. And we're big screw ups, that's the reality. The reality is we're people, so we make mistakes. But I'm hoping and praying that you will learn from my mistakes and that you can do better than me. And I'm not going to make mistakes all the time. Sometimes I'm going to do what I know is right and it's going to work out. And those I hope stand out the most. But sometimes things are going to fall apart and, you know, the church kid, not just the kid in general at this point. So that's the thing. At at some point this needs to blend and quit calling church kids like, yes, they receive information, but they're people, man. They're people the same way anyone else is. They're kids, the same way any other kid is. And and that needs to be a more uh that needs to be the take on how we view the next generations to come. It's not just you should be doing better. You're the generation that's gonna sell the farm. You guys don't know what you're doing. You can you can't even Pick up your Bible and read it because you think you know it all. And, you know, and it's so it's the same as like I was saying before. You can't just disciplinary, uh, you verbally discipline your kids their whole life because at some point they're going to shut their ears up and not listen anymore and be like, keep talking, buddy, because as soon as I get a chance, I'm out. So my goal as a parent is to help my kid understand life is hard. It's going to come at you. Sometimes things come at you very fast and unexpected and unknowing and I pray that you would know to call on God in those situations I pray that you will have wisdom that is just poured into you from from Sunday schools and children's church and 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 Biblical core core values that you've seen in the household not stuff that I force fed to you but stuff that actually stuck that you know whether you saw how i responded to something or something you've learned in the church i hope all of that is unlocked and it just completely showers you so that when life hits you hard and fast and unknowingly and and just rips that rug underneath you the way it does sometimes that you'll know what to do and i gotta do my part is just guide you to god that's the thing it's and if if other people talk and they want to say things about you then my my as a parent my role is to tell you who cares what that person said who cares you need to find a relationship with god and you need a strong relationship with your parents you need a foundation and if someone's going to talk smack about you oh well that's that's life that's part of the life is hard situation it's going to happen people will always have something to say so at the end of the day i do feel Parents do need to take responsibility for their children while they're children. And then when they become adults, it is now their turn to, you know, make their own decisions as adults. Even though they're going to be our kids and our little babies for our whole life, the way we are to our parents, they still need to make their own decisions. So I pray for the church kid. I do feel for them. I do feel that some of them are snobby and entitled and nerdy, like, like my kids. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. You know, um, but I also feel that some of them are incredibly anxious and fearful of the, the pressure that is put on them to live a certain way. And that's, that's, you know, God knows that we're screw-ups. God knows that we need help. That's why he offers his help. And us as full-blown adults, the ones that are considered the experts in life, we are figuring things out as we go. And the only way we can make the right decision is if we call on God. And our job is to teach that to the next generation. Understand how to call on God, when to call on God, when to reach out. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be so prideful that you think you can do everything on your own. Don't hide things from people build accountability, build relationship, and have the integrity and the character to do what is right, even though there's a human nature inside of us that constantly wants to do wrong. Praying for the church kid, praying for my kids, and I'm praying for all the parents because it's a lot of responsibility.